Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Hey, we started... We started this series on church and culture, and I know the Lord lead, led, led us to do it, and, um, and I, I know the Lord wants to speak something to us this morning, but um, church and culture is colliding. Would you agree? Yeah. It's colliding, and when we say church, I mean it's, it's we the church are the body of Christ. We're not just a church, an organization, but we're the body of Christ. And if we don't learn what to do, we're either going to be reactive, we're going to respond the wrong way, or else we're not going to do anything. And you end up losing ground, and uh, you end up just being defensive and victims to, to the culture that's going on in our world. And so our culture's changing, our culture's shifting, and um, there's a couple of things I just wanted to touch on today, just in review, but then I want to jump into something. And that's, uh, uh, here's how we deal with culture, is John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says that the word, who is the word? Jesus. That's why it's so important to know Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son, full of what? Grace. Somebody say grace. grace. And, truth. and truth. Full of grace and truth. Truth without grace is condemnation. Grace without truth is compromise. And so what we need is we need grace and truth. And I believe we can have both. We can have grace and truth, and it's important to have both. Also, we learned the second week about our identity being in Christ, and that so much of the time our culture is trying to identify us. How do you identify? How do you identify sexually? How do you identify as a person? How do you identify? I mean, people are trying to identify you in every single way, as a human being, um, uh, as with your gender identity, with your religion, with your, with your political identity. I mean, with your in every single way, they're trying to classify you and put you in a box and identify. But how do we identify? We have to identify as new creations in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says if anyone, in fact, would you say this with me? If anyone is in Christ, how many are in Christ in here? He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Someone says, what if I was born this way? Jesus said, you must be born again, Right? So however you were born, however you identify, whatever you believe, it's still important to identify as a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you can find it in Christ, if you can find it in the word, that's who you are. That's why so many people are lost and they've lost their identities is because they're looking for identity somewhere else other than Christ, right? And they're lost and they wonder, I don't even know who I am. And so they go try to find another book. There's only one book you can find your identity in. It's the Word of God, right? And Jesus is the Word of God, by the way. In the beginning was the Word, right? And He is the Word of God. And so that's, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. That's where we find our identity in Christ. I want uh, you to look in the book of uh, John 17, and I want you to, uh, to see this. In John 17, Jesus called his 12 disciples, and he walked with them. 
And there's something I want to point out to you, and then I'm going to point something out to you right at the end. It's this. It says, while I was with them, Jesus said, in the world, I kept them. Can somebody say, I kept them? He says, I kept them in your name. There's something about a name that also is an identity, right? I kept them in your name. Now, these people were in the world, but I kept them in your name, right? Like they were living in in the world with the culture, but I kept them in your name. They were set apart in your name. They were, they were set apart, they were, they were pulled over to the side, so to speak, or they were distinct, but they were still living in the culture. Look at, I have kept them in your name. Those who you gave me, I have kept. Notice he says it twice, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture, he says, might be fulfilled. So he says, I have kept them in your name. They're, they're in the world, but they're safe in your name. They're in Christ, they're in the family of God. He says, but now I come to you and these things I speak to you or I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And he says, I have given them your word. I want you to notice he says, I've kept them in your name and I've given them your word. Here's how Jesus kept his disciples. I've kept them in your name. So what did they identify with? The name even though they were in the world, and I've given them your word. This is an important way to live in our world as believers, as the body of Christ. We identify with the name of Jesus, and he says, and I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, he says, okay? He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, Now, a lot of believers don't understand this. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world because a lot of people say, well, we're believers. We need to be taken out of the world. No, we're light in the darkness. I said, we're light in the darkness. The Lord doesn't always take the light out of the darkness. He leaves the light in the darkness, right? But they they are distinct from the darkness. They are kept in the name of Jesus and fed with the word of God. They stand out. They are distinct. They are different. They are not just to be counted in with everybody else, right? But they're in the world. He says, I'm not praying that you should take them out of the world. That's why I don't believe that all Christians should be taken out of public schools. I don't believe that all Christians should be taken out of the public workforce and everybody should be over here in Christian businesses and Christian this and Christian that. Now listen, I'm not saying on the other hand that everybody needs to just say, okay, this is wrong on this side. No, I just say, listen to the Lord, whatever the Lord tells you to do, do and let's not judge one another about it. If the Lord tells you to homeschool, homeschool. If the Lord tells you to do Christian school, do Christian school. If the Lord tells you to do public school, do public school. But Jesus is saying, I'm not praying one way or the other. What I'm doing, and I know he's not talking about school here, okay? He's talking about just, you're going to live in the world. You're going to be in the world, but you're still going to be called under my name and be fed with the word here. He says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them. Somebody say, keep them. From the evil one. Which shows, let me ask you this. Can you be in the world and still kept from the evil one? Let me say it again. Let me ask again. Can you be in the world but be kept from the evil one? Yes. 
Yes, you can. Jesus said his disciples were. He says, and they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world. Now, how does this apply uh, to us today? Let me ask you, are we of the world? Let me ask you again. Are we of the world? But are we in the world? Yeah, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Let me ask you again, because I know some of you are looking at me like, what, what, do you, what, what are you in the world? Yes. Most of you. Are most of you, are you here today? Yes. Are you here today? Are you here today? Are you here today? Are you here today? Okay. Are you in the world? Yes. Are you of the world? No. Right? You're not of the world, but you're in the world. This is how this applies to us today. Is Jesus trying to take us out of the world? No, he's trying to keep us in the world, right? What does Jesus do to preserve us from the world? He keeps us. How does he keep us? He keeps us in his name and he keeps us filled with his word, right? How does he do it? He does it through the word of God. How important, let me ask you, is God's word in our lives? If he said, I have kept them because I've given them my word, how important is the word of God in your life? So let me ask you, what if you're in the world you're not of the world, but what if you're in the world, but you don't keep the word of God in your heart? What's going to happen? You're just going to jump it right into the world, right? And you're just going to, you're going to start acting like you're of the world because you don't have, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right? Jesus said, there's something about the, the, you being in him, the presence of God being with the Lord, being in fellowship with the Lord, but also his word being inside of us. So staying in the word of God, what happens if we don't live, if we live in the world, but are not staying in the word? Well, that's why it's important for us to come together. That's why it's important for us to gather together as a church. That's why it's important for us to stay in the word, stay gathering together, stay listening to the word. Stay listening and, and reading the word daily in our lives all the time. We eat three times a day, right? Or more. We should be eating spiritually multiple times a day, letting the word of God come into our hearts. And we should be coming together and we should be allowing the word of God to come into our hearts. Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. I'm going somewhere here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. By the way, Jesus says, he ends this by saying, sanctify them by your truth. He says, sanctify, uh, sanctification is to set apart. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. So they're sanctified. They're set apart. It's like they say, here's a group of people, but I'm going to set apart these by. He says, the way they're going to be set apart is by what? The word of God. Sanctify them by your truth. And then what does he say is truth? Your what? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So how are we sanctified? By calling ourselves Christians? How, how are we sanctified? By saying, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a, I'm a Baptist, I'm a charismatic, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Methodist, I'm a, right? I've, I've gone to church since I was a little kid. No, 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 that's not how we are set apart. We're set apart by the word of God being inside of our hearts. Right, And when the word of God's setting in, inside of our hearts, we feel very uncomfortable with sin. Yes. And we get around sin and something inside of us just doesn't enjoy it. Yes. Sort of like if there's certain uh, ethnic foods or something that you just go, I really don't like it. I don't like, I don't know, 
whatever it is. You might, you might not like Indian food or something. I like Indian food, but you might say, I don't like Indian food. And you get around and someone goes, do you want some? And you're like, no, I'm going to fast that today. <laughs> well, it's not hard for you to fast that today. You just don't like it. That's how sin gets in your life is you get the word of God in you and you just, you, you lose your taste buds for certain things. You just don't like it anymore. Right? What does he say? Sanctify them, set them apart by your truth. Your words of truth. You fill your heart with God's word and you start losing your appetite for the, for things on the inside. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word's truth. Now he says here in first Corinthians chapter 10 and verse uh, four, 13, 14, this is what I want to get to. He says, no temptation. Somebody say no temptation. That includes the temptation you're dealing with. Because I believe every person has something they deal with. At least something. That there's something in your life that you deal with and you've dealt with. And it's just something that in your life you deal with. It's something that is just like an Achilles heel or like something that you bring back to the Lord. And you're dealing with and you deal with. Listen, no. somebody say no temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. It means you're not dealing with something that someone else doesn't deal with. You may think you're isolated, but it's not true. Someone, maybe a person sitting right next to you is dealing with the same thing you're dealing with. But that doesn't give you license just to jump, just to jump into and go, that's right, we're all dealing with it, whatever. Now listen, if no temptations overtaken you such as common demand, but somebody say, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able. What does that mean? It means that however difficult it is, however difficult it is, I don't care if you think of the worst temptation and the worst way you could fall right now. And right now, you were like, oh, there is no way I could not fall if that happened. No, with the temptation, with every single temptation, look at, with, I want you to see these words, with the temptation, the way. The temptation, the way. Look at, with the temptation, he says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What is he saying? He's saying every temptation you have in your life, God has made the way of escape. Have you ever seen those corn mazes that you get into and there's those big mazes and and you get into and there's like 15 ways that you could go wrong, but one way that you can get out. Now, if you got it, how many like those things? Yeah, 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 three, three of those. That's why you don't see a lot of them. Yeah, I'm just kidding. How many have ever done one of those things? Yeah, corn mazes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you get in those things. What if you got about two minutes into it and you're looking and you're trying to find your way and someone said, I don't really think there's a way out. What would you end up doing? Come on. What would you end up doing? Yeah. You set it on fire. Yeah. Well, no. No, what, what would you end up doing? You're in the middle of it. You make a wrong turn. You come over here. You go to another way. You make a wrong turn. You go another way. You make a wrong turn. And someone tells you, I don't really even know if there's a way out. What would you end up doing? You'd probably end up just saying, where's the way back to the start? Forget it. Or just sitting down and quitting and saying, forget it. Would you try to find the way out if you didn't even know there was a way out? No, you wouldn't. If you don't even know there's a way out, 
half the time you just say, quit, forget it. I don't even know there's a way out. But if you knew there's a way out, you'd try to find it. Do you know one of the things the enemy tries to get you to do is say there's not even a way out? I don't even know if there's a way out of this. You know, you've had, you've had these tendencies for years that you've been dealing with. You've had these desires for years that you've been dealing with. You've had this temptation for years that you've been dealing with. And you've prayed a thousand times. And you could never get out. You've prayed for healing in a certain situation. And you could never get free. You've prayed concerning this particular sin or this particular you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying healing is sin, but I'm saying there's just things you're praying and you come up to obstacles and you come up to situations. You just say, I don't even know if there's an answer. And what do you do? You just stop praying because you don't even know if there's an answer. Let me just tell you, if it's a temptation, there's an answer. In fact, every time you're faced with a temptation, there is a way of escape. He says that you may be able to bear it. Now, I know that most of the time we stop on that verse, but do you know what the very next verse is? Look at Therefore, because there is a way of escape, my beloved, he's saying not my weak son of a guns, my weak, weak little people who fall all the time, who can't endure temptation. No, he's saying my beloved ones I'm calling close to my heart. What does he say? Flee from idolatry. He's saying run away from idols because you can. Now, I do think that some people think you can't run away from it because you've been trying to beat this thing for years and you can't. I think, I'll, and there's another class of people that just don't think that idols are the Old Testament, and I don't have any. But I suggest to you, you do. I suggest to you, you do. Flee from idolatry. Somebody say, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of false gods. It can be religion. It can be politics. It can be money. It could be health. It could be prestige. It could be uh, position. It could be the American dream. It could be retirement. It could be that you worked everything for your retirement. It could be vacations. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. It could be your house. It could be your car. 49ers. It could be... Could be the 49ers, yeah. Could be sports. How many would agree that, that sports is idolatry to a lot of people? Yeah, yeah. Some people aren't here this morning because they're watching sports. No, it's true. It's absolutely true. And you know what's funny is, and that, that's funny, Ralph. Uh, we laugh and we crack up at other people's idols. No, I mean, we, we look at other people's idols and we're like, yeah, they have that, they have that, they have that. And we're sitting there with three on our lap. The biggest barrier to truth is thinking you already have it. 
And I think stopping and just saying, Lord, what idols, I mean, what things in my life do I have? Jesus said he kept them by keeping the truth, by sanctifying them by truth, by keeping the truth right in front of them. Like, in other words, if he saw idols, he would say, hey, that's an idol. He would just keep it right in front of them. And then he kept them in the world, but out of the world. If Jesus walked with them and just kept them, he kept them from idols by just keeping the truth right in front of them. Idols are false gods. Idols are false gods. My question was, how could Satan get us to worship a false god? How in the world could Satan get us to worship a false god? Well, it says in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, for Satan himself transforms himself as an angel of light. He does it through deception. In other words, he's probably not going to come and say, hey, here's a gold statue and I want, Aaron, I'm going to come and give you this gold statue. Do you want to buy it for $100 and you're going to go home and worship it? And Aaron would go, of course not. I'm not going to do this. We're not going to come and worship false gods. We're not going to look at that. No, no, not one person in here would ever do that. But you know what? We'd do it if it was in the form of something else. If it was in the form of something we've enjoyed, we liked, and it didn't look like an idol, right? But it was an idol. It's an angel of light. It transforms himself in an angel of light. Now, uh, the Bible says here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, some people say, how... How much do you think that the, the, the enemy has influence in the world? The Bible says we know that we are of God, so we're in the world. We're of God. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. We are of God and the whole world. Somebody say the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In other words, the world you live in is swayed by the wicked one. The whole world lies under the sway. Our culture lies under the sway of the wicked one. How could this happen without deceit? How could the whole world lie under the sway of the wicked one without deceit happening? So let me tell you, there are three idols. There are three idols that I want to point out. Three idols that I believe everything is reduced down to three idols. There are three false gods that happen. um, And some would call it even the unholy trinity. Idolatry ramps, uh, runs rampant in today's culture. Uh, if you really look at idols, if you want to look at idols in your life, you want to look at the way you spend your money and the way you spend your time. I can look at your checkbook and sometimes see idols. I wouldn't. Nobody's doing that. But, but God does, by the way. God does. He can look at your calendar and look at your, uh, and mine, by the way. Look at our checkbooks, look at our calendar, look in our budget, and see what idols are. See where we put our time and our money, right? And our treasure, our talent, our gifts. Time, talent, and treasure are really the the things. Where do we put our, our talent, our gifts? Do we put them in the kingdom? Do we put them on eternal things? Do we put them on things that are gonna count in heaven? By the way, God didn't say put them all on things that, are in heaven. He just said, make sure that that's priority. He didn't say 100% go say, he said, just make sure it's priority. Make sure that God has priority in time, talent, and treasure in our lives. So the false, but, but false gods. Idolatry runs rampant um, in our world. More money, bigger houses, more things, more possessions, physical fitness, more power, 
I don't believe any of those things are wrong. I don't think it's, it's wrong for people to be rich. I think it's wrong for riches to have you, not for you to have riches. Yeah. But people dismiss idolatry with some, something in the Old Testament. But th- throughout the Old Testament, there are three gods. Here's what the three are, uh, I believe. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world. And he says, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are not of the Father, but are of the world. If you were to reduce all of the sin, all of the sin, I know there's these seven deadly sins are all, I would say three things that the enemy, three false gods that everything can be reduced down to. It's the lust of the flesh. Somebody say the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are the three sins, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are three idols, three false gods. The lust of the flesh would be, in the Old Testament, you see it as Asherah. It's the god of pleasure, specifically sensual, pleasurable, things that are pleasurable that would bring your flesh pleasure. Lust of the eye, spirit of mammon. It's a god of possessions. It's never enough. Even if you got what you needed, it's never enough. You need more, right? And then the lust of the pride of life, it's really the god of Baal. It uh, wants to come and be the god of power. In essence, you, in essence, Baal is you don't really need God. You become God. You become the master of your own destiny. And you read books like that. And it really turns it around that that's, that's who you that's who you are. Three false gods. We would know them as money, as, as power, money, and sex. Power, money, and sex. A lot of times they're reduced down to those, thing, those, those three things. These idols are in our world. Um, we believers have to be aware of them. We have a will. And, um, and I believe that all sin comes back to these three things. Let me just... Uh, I want to come back to some examples of this later, but I I don't have time to get into all this. I just want you to go to one more scripture uh, um, and uh, to 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to, I was going to give you some examples of this, but I just want you to go down to 1 John chapter 5. And I want to show you this because Jesus is not in the flesh with us today, but Jesus does give us his word. Amen. Amen. And I want you to just look at this, this verse this morning. I woke up this morning. I had my notes uh, written out um, from something, and the Lord spoke this to me this morning, and I, uh, and I believe this was for us specifically. Can someone come up and play keyboard as we, as we finish? But I want you to catch this, because this, this is what I think we're going toward. And I think this is what the Lord wants you to know today, that through the word of God and through the presence of God, the Lord gives us the responsibility, but also the privilege of just like Jesus kept his disciples, of you to be able to keep yourself. And when you keep yourself, you can be in the world, but the world won't affect you. Watch this. He says, for we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. Really, uh, it's, you don't, it's not that you never make a mistake. It's that you don't live in sin. You don't live in sin. He says you don't practice sin. But he who has been born of God, what does he say? Keeps himself. By the way, same word. He said keeps himself. Somebody say keeps himself. Keeps himself. And the wicked one, what? Does not touch him. Notice you're in the world and somebody said the devil's been beating me up. Did you know this is a promise of God that if you'll keep yourself, the wicked one can't touch you. 
How many, do you know, there's been so many times that the devil has tried to beat me up, harass me with, with lustful thoughts. With, I mean, with lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life and things. And I've been harassed by the devil. And I've stopped and I've just said, Lord, I keep myself in the love of God. I keep myself in the word of God. I keep myself in the presence of God. And it's like a bubble, like I'm bubble boy or something. I've kept myself in this bubble. And what happens? The enemy, the enemy can be all around me, but a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. But what? I'm in the secret place. Hey, listen, this is for some of you today because you're in the middle of what would feel like hell. You're in the middle of being harassed by the devil. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. You're in the middle of it. But listen, if you'll keep yourself, Jesus kept his disciples, but he said, you can keep yourself. Listen, say it, look at it again. But he who has been, say it with me, he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding, listen, that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true and the and his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true and eternal God. Now listen, this is the very last verse of the book of 1 John. This is the very last verse of the book of 1 John. Little children, keep yourselves from what? Whose responsibility is it to keep yourself? Come on, who's re- hey, I want to see by a show of hands, whose responsibility is to keep yourself? It's yours. It's your responsibility. But who helps you do it? The Lord helps you to do it. Through his word. And when you keep yourself, what happens? The devil can't touch you. And you'll be in the world. But what happens? You won't be of the world. And the devil can't touch you. And the devil can't touch you. There are some in here today that are in the midst of so much spiritual opposition. Your jobs, where you work, your family surroundings. And sometimes it seems unbearable to deal with it. And you don't know what to do. And you think, do I got to get out of this situation? This is for you today. This is for you today. It's not that you're trying to put yourself in that situation, but it's that, listen, you can be covered. You can be protected in the secret place of the most high. Let me pray for you right now. Would you do this? Would you open up your hearts to the Lord? Just right where you are. Let's respond to God. Would you open up your hands, open up your hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, I open my heart to you today. I pray for your presence right now to cover me. Pray for your presence to cover me to keep me. Lord, I pray for students, youth that go to school. I pray that you'd cover them. Pray with me, church. I pray that you'd cover them and keep them at their schools. Surround them, Lord, from all the perversity that they hear. Lord, I pray for those, God, on social media, that they get all this perversity, chats, private messages. Lord, even anyone in here who might be involved in an affair 
or something that nobody knows about. Oh, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd get them out of that affair. Give them a way of escape. Help them to repent, Father God. Not to hurt them, but to help them, Lord. I pray, Father God, right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for that one God who is surrounded by so much demonic oppression. Father God, I pray for them in the name of Jesus that you would surround them by your spirit and give them strength to endure and strength to know what to say. Let the word of God rise up in them to be able to speak into situations and darkness, to be able to speak the light of the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Father, I pray for homes that have oppression right now. I pray, Lord, over homes that words have been spoken. And when you walk in, you just sense weight, a weightiness. And you don't even want to go home because it just feels so dark and weighty and held down. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that as as your people would walk in, sanctified ones would walk in, that you'd give them the understanding, as your word says here, the understanding to walk in and to speak light and life into the atmosphere. And to not only be kept themselves, God, but to bring the word of God and the light of Jesus into the atmosphere, I pray. And I thank you for it, Lord. We bless you for it, Lord. Father, I pray for healing for anyone who's sick in this room, physical healing. I pray by your stripes we are healed. And I pray for physical healing. Be healed, be set free right now in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Lord. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, those who are in bondage and and oppressed. Lord, those who are bound with pornography, be set free in Jesus' name. Those who are bound with alcoholism, be set free in Jesus' name. Those who are bound with prescription drugs or any other type of drugs, marijuana, weed, coke, Lord, or any other type of drugs, be set free right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Father, I pray against any pride. Lord, any lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life, I pray that it would be exposed. And would you do this with me right now? Would you say, Lord, I open up my heart. And only if you really mean this, would you say, Jesus, would you expose in me things that need to be cleansed? Would you clean my heart today? Purify me today. Wash me whiter than snow by the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, be revealed 
to your people today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your truth. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Yeah.